Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. How y'all doing? Oh, y'all. Let's get it out there right now. I'm from Green Bay. <laughs> it's good to be here with, with all of you. Looking forward to this afternoon. We're doing a, a version of my laugh your way to a better marriage thing. So if you're thinking, ah, our marriage isn't that bad. No, this is not laugh your way out of a bad marriage. Now, if you got a bad one, you probably should come. This is laugh your way to a better marriage. And unless your marriage is so good, it couldn't possibly be better, you can stay home and we'll discuss it with you. What if you're single? You should, get, you should come. You need to learn about crazy before you get there. <laughs> All right, just don't get married. No, I didn't know it was going to be like, we're going to let you know how it's going to be. All right? So everybody says, what, what if they're young? Let them come. What, what if my spouse doesn't want to come? They come without them. Who cares? This is not one of these marriage events where we're all going to be holding hands, cow-eyeing each other. All right? You'll be fine. If you just come by yourself, it'll be fine. All right? Um, now, this morning, I want to uh, share with you from a book that I wrote a few years ago. It's called uh, The Beatitudes of Marriage. And to give you the backstory on this book, I have seven little chubby-faced monkeys called grandchildren. How, how many of y'all got grandchildren? Is it not the most amazing experience in life? It truly is. Grandchildren is God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> Grandparents and grandchildren have a special connection. We share a common enemy. <laughs> and they love it when when, when you read them stories, right, and they call, they call me Poppy, Poppy, read us a story. And so they have these big illustrated books, and, and one day I'm reading one of these to them, and I'm going, you know, I, I love this format. I want to write a book like this. So I did. Now, this is not a book for children. <laughs> you traumatize your children. But I figured it's the perfect relationship book for men because it's short to the point, and it has pictures, yes. So, so now, our Lord, in his famous Sermon on the Mount, gave his Beatitudes, which is a fancy word for blessings. That's when he said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, all those sorts of things. But mine is not a blessing. Uh, it's just a play off the word Beatitude. These are attitudes you should be. They are be attitudes. And if you will incorporate these attitudes in your life, you can succeed with anybody. So I'm not married. You have to live with people. You have to deal with people. You get this in you, and you can succeed with anybody, but particularly in something that can be as complex as marriage. So we're, we're going to go through these and hopefully give you some insight. All right, chapter one. Slide, slide number one. All right. Give them a hand. Yes. Yes. Thank you for joining us, by the way. Good to have you in the service. Anyway, be nice. Everybody say, be nice. That is the key to 
as any successful marriage or relationship with anybody is learn to be nice. Now, we all struggle at times with this. Nobody does this perfectly. At times, things will happen to you quickly, and you are not nice. But even when you're not nice, you know you have to get back to being nice. So I don't have to be nice, Pastor. I'm married. No, you still have to be nice. All right? Now, the problem here is we live in a culture that has corrupted people's thinking in America. A lot of it comes from the psychological community. Now, if you're a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, God bless you for the work that you do. But there is one area where they've just got it wrong. And that is this advice that has been poisoning the minds of Americans for 50 years. Most of you are familiar with this advice. It says this. The most important thing is that you're always honest with how you feel. Terrible advice. The Bible says only a fool gives full vent to their emotions. It's exactly contrary to scriptural teaching. And some of the newest studies in the psychological community are now showing that they've been wrong all these years. But it takes people a long time to admit they've been wrong. So it might take a while, but this thinking is in people's heads, right? And they tell you, the worst thing, don't hold in. Don't hold in your feelings. Don't hold in your emotions. You'll explode. And it's not true. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful with what you say. James warns us about the tongue, right? He says, your tongue has the potential to destroy your own life. He says, your tongue can light the course of your life on fire with, and I quote, the fire of hell. You want to jack up your life? Just every little thing that you're thinking. It's not good. It is poisonous. You don't need to say everything you feel. People ask me, man, how are you guys successful in marriage? And I always say, because we're not honest with how we feel. <laughs> Who does that? Only crazy people do this. Why some of y'all are so miserable? Just every, stop. I'm sure there's mornings my wife wakes up, looks at me, and feels like she's been blessed by God. I'm certain there are mornings she wakes up, looks at me, and is convinced she married the spawn of hell. A simple good morning will suffice. <laughs> you are not obligated to share everything you feel. And listen to me, especially you women. <laughs> feelings are not your friend. Your feelings are not. Why would you be honest with the most dishonest part of you? Sometimes they feel good. Sometimes they feel bad. Who cares? Sometimes you feel up, sometimes you feel down. Who cares? Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Who cares? <laughs> your feelings are not your friend. And I promise you, the more you listen to your feelings, the bigger of a disaster your life will be absolutely guaranteed. And I promise you, the most successful people financially sitting in this room right now are the people who never listen to how they feel. Anybody go to college? Feel like studying? Uh, successful people never ask themselves if they feel like studying. These musicians up here playing today. People say, oh, I wish I could play like that. No, you don't. Because you wouldn't do what they were willing to do. Practice, practice. Yeah, and they quit. Because nobody feels like practicing. It's why musicians are odd. Only strange people would actually do that. They do that over and over and over again so they can get up and perform and play fabulously because they never asked themselves if they felt like practicing. You know who asked themselves if they felt like practicing? All y'all to quit your piano lessons. <laughs> your feelings are not your key to success in life. 
Don't listen to how you feel. And we live in a culture today that is obsessed with feelings. Just, you know, you're feeling, I, I just feel, ah, and it's very destructive to our culture. And you want to succeed in, in your faith? Don't listen to your feelings. I don't feel like praying. I feel like watching Gilligan Island reruns. You ever fast? There's a party. <laughs> Nobody feels like doing this stuff. You always feel, if you say and just do what you feel all the time, you will be a failure, exclamation point. Don't listen to how you feel. Now, you got to deal with them. I get it. But don't let it set your temperature and how you deal with life, with how your faith, and certainly with how you deal with other people. Learn to be nice. Pastor, what should I do with such and such? Just be nice. What if my wife says, just be nice? What if my mother-in-law comes over? Be nice. You don't know my mother-in-law. <laughs> she has to leave eventually. Just be nice. <laughs> Chapter two, be content. Everybody say, be content. What does that mean? It means be happy. Be happy. Learn to be happy. You know, Paul said, uh, there's a verse, a very familiar verse, where we all quote it. Actually, we kind of misquote it. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We quote that as a conquering verse. It's really not in context, a conquering verse. We got some great ones if you need them. But that's not one of them. In that context, he's talking about how miserable his life is at times. How he's hungry how he's persecuted, how everything can just be nothing but a problem. But he says, I've learned the secret. Have you learned the secret? Do you know why they call it a secret? Because nobody knows it. All right. Have you learned the secret? I've learned the secret, he says, to be content no matter what my circumstances are. And that's when he says, because I can do all these things. What things? These lousy, miserable, difficult things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the context. Have you learned the secret? You need to learn to just be happy. If you need something to change for you to be happy, you will be a victim all your life. James said, count it pure joy when everything in your life goes wrong. Who does that? And the context is like having a party. It's like inviting your friends over. Come on, we're going to celebrate. What are we celebrating? <laughs> My life sucks. Why would we celebrate it? Because it doesn't stay that way. And even if it's awful, we still can be filled with joy. Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from Christ. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your joy. I always tell the people in my church, man, enjoy the road you're on. Smell the flowers. Check in the scenery. Enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. Say, well, how will I know when you get to the end? <laughs> if it's a dead end, turn around and just go another road. I cannot tell you how many different roads I've gone through my life that have been dead ends. You just turn around and you just find another road and try it again. You just keep going. Some people, they hit a dead end. They're so depressed. Oh, pastor, oh, it didn't turn out the way we thought. Oh. Really learn to be happy. That light at the end of the tunnel might just be another train coming at you. 
What do I do? Get out of the way. Quit freaking out. I, I've, I've never understood this passage. I'm always shocked by people who are shocked when things don't turn out. Like, what planet do you live on? This is not heaven. Now, I know there are people today who think this is heaven. If this is your version of heaven, it stinks to be you. Because this is not heaven. They're just getting through this place to get to where is going to be heaven, where everything is perfect. This is an imperfect world with all kinds of imperfect results. Learn to be happy. Don't, take, don't think, oh, gee, if I just had a better car, I'd be happy. Pastor, if I just had a newer house. Pastor, if I hadn't married that idiot and married the other idiot, I'd be so much happier. Any single girls here? No single girls? There's one? Yeah. Listen to me, single girls. Escúchame. Marriage was not designed to make you happy. And all the married people said, amen. Yeah. If you are a lonely, empty, miserable soul for the love of heaven, stay single. Because a lonely, empty, miserable soul that marries another lonely, empty, miserable soul just makes a marriage of two lonely, empty, miserable souls. We're supposed to be happy in the first place. We're people of faith. We've been born again. We have a God who loves us and cares for us. There was a university that did a study. And universities tend to study the stupidest things on earth. I don't know where they get the money for this nonsense. This one university wanted to study smiles. And what was the effect of smiles? So they took old uh, yearbooks and they got people who had the best smiles. And they took the 10% of the best smiles. Now, these aren't Bible schools. These are typical American heathens. All right. And then they went and interviewed these people. That was their job. Find them now and interview them to see what their life is like. They came back. The results astonished them. They were shocked how incredibly content and successful these people were. And the thing that caught my attention was they said, of all of these things, it kind of caught our, we thought it was very interesting. Of all these people, not a single one had experienced a divorce. Typical American heathens, best smiles, not a one of them. That's pretty stunning in today's culture. Now, this isn't about smiles. You may not have teeth at all. <laughs> but why? They didn't. I know why. Because they were happy in the first place. You don't need somebody else to make you happy. <laughs> and you girls who think some man is going to make you happy. <laughs> oh, my word. He's going to irritate the snot out of you. Be happy. Next chapter. Be connected. Everybody say, be connected. connected. What does that mean? Get some friends. You people. Marriage was never designed to be two people on an island all by themselves. It seems romantic, seems beautiful, but that is not the plan. If it's just you and your spouse on an island, you will turn into cannibals and you'll eat each other. Get off the, and the men, the men are the worst of this. Don't, don't tell nobody our business. It's our business. Nobody knows our business. You're a moron. Nobody should know our business. Everybody should know your business. If you are not routinely getting together with other couples and talking through your crazy, 
you're going to have a disaster. And you're eventually going to tell somebody. It might be your divorce attorney. It might be the pastor. You're going to tell somebody and stuff. And this American thing, Christian America, where we wear this fake mask. You know, oh, how you doing? Praise the Lord. You come to church, you're yelling and screaming at each other. You walk in the church, how you doing? Oh, good, praise the Lord. Don't, I tell my people in the church, don't lie to me. If you're miserable, you come to church, I say, how you doing? You tell me, I'm miserable. Or I'm fine, but he's full of the devil. I promise you, all over America today, all over America today, thousands of churches are going to find out that Bobby and Susie are getting divorced. And they're all going to be shocked because they didn't even know Bobby and Susie were struggling. Why? We sit on this island. We play this game. You need to talk to each other. You'll get better insights. Sometimes people see things you can't see. I want the thermostat at 72. She wants it at 70. I want it at 72. Your friends might say, have you tried 71? <laughs> oh, no, it never dawned on me Next one. Be prepared. Everybody say, be prepared. Do you know why people wear armor? The Bible tells us we're supposed to wear armor. Do you know why you wear armor? Because somebody's trying to hurt you. This life is full of difficulties. How many of you have experienced some difficulties in your life? Yeah, it's hard. It's really, really, really hard. That's why you single people. When you're finding someone to marry, look for someone of character. Someone you can do life. Don't get caught up in how cute they are. Character will last you a lifetime. Sexy has a shelf life. <laughs> it does. Some of us have hit our expiration dates. I got to tell you. Find someone who's got some character. Someone who can do life with you. Because life is hard. Now there's two versions of hard. First version, sometimes life is unpredictable. Stuff is going to happen to you. You can't even begin to plan or prepare for. How do you get through it? You wear armor. Be prepared. Be pre Again, shocked at people who are shocked when life doesn't turn out the way they thought. Oh, what? Honestly? I get through a day, nothing bad happens. I go, praise the Lord. <laughs> nothing weird happens. Praise the Lord, we made it to this day. You know, life is hard. There's always going to be challenges. Don't freak out when life is unpredictable. You can't even begin to plan for it. Just be ready. The other version is sometimes life is predictable. And that irritates the female gender. Because nothing is more irritating to a woman than having to revisit an issue with a man. Pastor, why do I have to keep repeating myself over and over and over again? Because he's still breathing. Hang in there. He has to go eventually. <laughs> Here's the mistake you girls make. You think when you have talked something over with a man that you fix something. <laughs> you haven't fixed anything. Because he'll be coming round the mountain when he... And then you've got to deal with it again. And he'll be coming round the mountain. And you're going to deal with it again. He'll be coming round the mountain. Instead of freaking out, you ought to be thinking, you know, he should be coming around the mountain right about now. Why is it? I don't know. It's just life. That's why this isn't heaven. <laughs> People think this is heaven. They really do. They won't say it, but that's what they think. Even Christians. When you and I were growing, because you're a little younger than me, but you're on the verge of geezerhood. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When, 
when we grew up, some of you older people, when we, we used to sing songs about heaven. We used to celebrate the idea of going to heaven. Life was hard. We've gotten so comfortable, people don't really like the idea of even going to heaven. If most of us today had a choice of going to heaven, we'd say no. That's how much the world, what you don't understand is most of the world still would like to go to heaven. They have a very, very difficult, don't forget, this is just passing for us. We are headed to a much better place. So be prepared. Next chapter, be proactive. Everybody say proactive. What does that mean? Life happens on purpose. And that's a shock to today's culture. And the younger you are, a bigger of a shock that is. They say, why, why does my life stink? Because you're doing stinky things. And they don't get it. Why do I have so much student debt? Because you borrowed so much money. And it's like, apparently this is a revelation to people. Now, whether or not they should make it so easy, that's all debatable. But the reality is you reap what you sow. Be careful with what you do in life. You will reap what you sow. It doesn't matter how cute you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how whatever, how much money you got. Everybody will reap what they sow. And the reason so many people are struggling horribly in their marriages, Christians or not. And by the way, this will come as a shock. You don't have to be a Christian to have a good marriage. I know atheists who have fabulous marriages. I know pastors who have marriages that were born in hell. They're horribly miserable. Why? Because one is doing the right thing and the other one isn't. It's just that simple. They believe the right things, but unless you do the right things, it's not going to make a difference. You have to do the right thing. And that's why the Bible never gets into try and find your soulmate. Or this nonsense that God has created one special person for everyone. Really? Let's pretend for a delusional moment that's true. And it's not. And the moon doesn't really follow you when you drive at night. But let's pretend. <laughs> All it takes is one person to get it wrong. And the whole thing falls apart. If Bob is supposed to marry Sarah but marries Juliet, what's Sarah supposed to do? Sarah marries Bill. Who's supposed to marry Anne? Now, what's Anne supposed to do? Then Anne Fred, marries Fred, who's supposed to marry Wilma. Now you got no Flintstones. <laughs> All it would take for one person to get it wrong. It is absurd. That's why the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, never talk about trying to find the special one. It emphasizes doing the right things. In theory, I stress in theory, but it's a lot of truth. You could virtually put two any people together. If they will do the right things, they will succeed together. It's just true. It's not about some magical person. All right. In all fairness, a lot of people don't know what to do today. A lot of people don't know how to do marriage. That's why they struggle. I get it. We should learn these things from our parents and grandparents, but we're at least three generations of dysfunctional psychos today. <laughs> so the good news is not your fault. Okay? The bad news is you've got to figure it out. That's why we're doing this thing this afternoon. We're going to show you how to do it. You do life on purpose. People who have good marriages do it on purpose. They're just not lucky. People who have successful businesses do it on purpose. They're not just lucky. Oh, they're so lucky. They're not lucky. They do it on purpose. They are intentional. Everybody say intentional. 
You do life on purpose. You succeed in your faith on purpose. Be proactive. Next one. Be clear. Everybody say, be clear. What does that mean? It means, habla inglés. You speak English. <laughs> be clear. All right? Now, here's the problem. In every relationship, there's one person who's much more emotionally emotive than the other. Usually the wife, but not always. There's a lot of relationships where it's the man who's the most emotive. Always sharing all his emotions about everything. Here's, and that's fine. Here's the thing, though, with emotive people. They feel things so deeply, they can't imagine the other person doesn't see it. But if you don't tell them, they don't see it. Are you mad at me? You know I'm mad. I told you I was mad. When did you do that? Remember, we were talking, and I went, Thought you had gas. <laughs> you sighing, flipping your hair, rolling your eyes is not communicating. You have to be clear. You gotta tell them. I can't believe they're that clueless. Yes, they are. You have to tell them. Particularly men. Men do not have ESP. We have ESPN. Now, I know what a lot of girls are thinking right now, Pastor, if I had a godly man, if I had a godly man, I wouldn't have these problems. If he was godly. All right, let's talk about God. Forget about your dumb husband for a minute. If you want something from God, what do you have to do? You have to ask for what you want. Even though Jesus says, God already knows what you want, unlike your husband. But if you don't ask him, you're not getting anything. So if you want something from a man, number one, you got to ask. Number two, you got to ask more than once. Asking a man to do something once is like never having asked him to do it at all. How's that godly? What did Jesus teach us? You need to ask more than once. That proves God's a man right there. And don't insult you don't insult God when he doesn't move according to your timetable. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> See, apparently your husband's more godly than you thought. Next one. Be doers. Everybody say be doers. Again, we already talked about that. You got to do the right thing or it doesn't work. Uh, next one. Running out of time. Be patient. Everybody say be patient. <laughs> it takes a while to get this. I talk to these couples. Pastor, we've been married for 12 months and we're in hell. <laughs> Pastor, we've been married for six months and we're in hell. Worst call I ever got. Pastor, we've been married for two weeks. Two weeks and we're in hell. I think, seriously, it should take you years to get to hell. How you getting to hell so fast? You see, people enough, no patience. If you've been married seven years or less, you're a rookie. You don't know Jack yet. It takes a while to figure this out. Be patient. The pastor, what if I get to the end of, our, end of my rope? Tie a knot, for heaven's sakes. Marriage is a race. 
Now, there's two kinds of races. There's sprints and there's marathons. The most important part of a sprint is the start. If you don't start right in a sprint, you'll never win. That's why they practice over and over again, coming out of those blocks. Because the most important part is the start. See, people make that mistake today. They think marriage is a sprint. It is not a sprint. That's why so many of you parents and grandparents, shame on you grandparents if you do this, tell your grandchildren or your kids, you know, don't, don't, don't rush into marriage. Wait, you're only 42. So make sure you got to have everything just right, everything lined up just perfectly. Make sure you have enough money of all the dumbest things on earth. Who has enough money? I'm 67 years old. I still don't have enough money. <laughs> Training these kids that they have to start just perfectly. And they're delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying and creating all the problems that come with that. Man, if they're in love, let them get married. Do life early. Do it right. It's not about the start. It's about the running. What if they're in college? I don't want my kids to get married if they're in college. It'll distract them. Marriage is not a distraction. You know what's a distraction? Dating. Dating will mess with your head. But they're in college. Every study shows that married kids in college do better than the single ones. Particularly the boys. They're finally getting sex. They can think about something else for five minutes. It's a marathon. You know, nobody cares about the start of a marathon. You ever watch the start of a marathon? Everybody's just standing around going. Nobody cares. It's about the running. You run until you think you're going to die. And then you get a second win. And you think you're going to live forever. And then you think you're going to die. And somebody gives you some water and you think you're going to live forever. And then you think you're going to die. That, that's marriage. Pass, I think I'm going to die. What I do? Keep running. And finally, be dead. Everybody say, be dead. What does that mean? Look, you cannot possibly read the New Testament and not come away with the sense that God wants to kill you. Not the physical you, the selfish part of you. Pick up your cross, lay down your life, deny yourself. Be crucified with Christ. God wants to kill you, and there is no more perfect institution designed to kill you than marriage. Because <laughs> you cannot do it and stay selfish. It can't. And that's the test all the time. It will always test your willingness to let go. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth new life. Which, what's, that mean? what's that mean? It means we just got to let go and let God. And as much as we teach about faith and trusting God for miracles and answers, and he does, you do have to understand that he probably doesn't want you to have everything you want to have. God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, he did. No, he did. Yeah, no was an answer. Anybody have kids? Good to give them everything they want? They would say yes. <laughs> no, it's saying with us. At some point, everything's not going to be exactly the way you want it in your marriage. What do you do? Let go and just let God learn to be dead. Die to yourself and learn to be content no matter what your circumstances. Let's pray. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for encouragement this morning. Lord, it's not easy to talk about these things and to live them out. But Lord, help us to learn to let go and let God so that we allow you to plant us into the ground and rather than just stay there, we let go. New life will break out. 
we will climb up through the dirt of this world and into the sunshine of your glorious grace and live such incredible lives that people around us will look at us and say, how do you do that? And it'll give us the opportunity to share with them the incredible grace you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. 